and welcome to Are You Serious with Leanne and Patty. We're so excited today. We have David Wiley on the call with us on the podcast. We have never, ever had a guest before. So he's our first and we're super excited about that. Uh, David is a lawyer here in Dallas. He does employment law. He focuses on the practice of law representing workers in employment matters. Um, he's the immediate past chair of the State Bar of Texas Labor and Employment Law Section. And he's the current president of the Texas Employment Lawyers Association. Welcome, David. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Leanne and Patty. So happy to be here. Well, we're just going to kind of let you uh, take the floor today and talk about what you want to talk about. Uh, of course, we want to talk about uh, touch on employment law, but but you also have a nonprofit that we wanted to make sure that we had some time for. So where would you like to start, David? Yeah, sure. So I've, um, I practice law in Dallas, Texas. Um, I, uh, as you said, I focus my practice on representing workers in employment matters. So anything from sexual harassment cases to wrongful termination, whistleblower matters, helping people with severance agreements, that sort of thing. I've been doing this for a couple of decades now, um, and I, I absolutely love it. You know, um, one of the real joys of practicing employment law is it gives you sort of a backstage pass into all these different industries, right? So when I represent a nurse, I get to see what it's really like at the charge station in a hospital. When I represent a car salesman, I get to see what it's like on the floor of you know, a car dealership working day in and day out. Um, when I represent a police officer, I get to see what it's really like at the police station and dealing with you know, the politics uh, that can go with, um, with that kind of uh, intense government work, right? And you get involved in these cases to help people and you're intensely involved in these cases and these people's lives for a couple of years until the case is tried or resolves. And, uh, and then you move on to the next one and it could be a completely different industry. And so it's really sort of a fascinating way to go about a career getting to be so deeply involved in other people's careers in, in wildly different fields sometimes. I can imagine it's challenging, um, especially with what's going on right now. <laughs> yeah, a of, yeah. A, a lot of uh, people, I know myself included, have been affected by layoffs and uh, with COVID. And so it's going to be interesting, I think, in the long term to see how this all kind of shakes out uh, with the law. Yeah and uh, with everything that's going on. Yeah, it's, and uh, it, it can be important when you're laid off to um, get to good resources to find help. You know, in Texas, there was always a shortage of lawyers who were willing to represent workers in employment matters. And the pandemic and uh, rising rates of unemployment have really emphasized um, uh, just how many lawyers we need to help workers in employment matters. I may get five calls a day during the week from potential clients, and I don't even have a website, Leanne. Uh, and, wow. I, you know, people just find me through word of mouth. Um, but that really just speaks to the fact that there just aren't enough lawyers willing to help workers in these matters. There are some nonprofits. Um, I'll tell you, for people who 
um, have questions about how COVID might affect their current employment. For example, they're afraid they may be sick. They don't want to go into work. Um, they're afraid others may be sick and they don't want to go in or the opposite problem. Um, they, they want to go in, but they have some fears about COVID in the workplace. Uh, I'd refer them to the Texas Rio Grande Legal Aid, and they have a, a website, trla.org. And the good lawyers at Texas Rio Grande Legal Aid generally represent uh, low-wage workers in farming communities down in South Texas. Uh, they get lots of questions about these things, and they have put together just an excellent uh, frequently asked questions page on their website um, that really has uh, um, solid information about what to do when COVID is affecting your workplace and your uh, employment in particular. And so uh, I'd encourage any of your listeners who have that sort of problem to go there. Um, of course, there's the Texas Employment Lawyers Association, which is that organization you mentioned that I'm president of. It's a voluntary association of about 180 lawyers who regularly represent workers. And that's a great resource um, to look up if you're just looking for an employment lawyer in general um, or for one uh, that can help you deal with a COVID situation. And those COVID situations can vary. Sometimes it can be, um, can I work from home? Um, if I have COVID, is it okay for me to work from home? Um, and uh, if I need an accommodation for some sort of disability or because a family member is sick, is it okay to work from home? And uh, those are both great resources to get answers to those kinds of questions. Um, you. <clears throat> Leanne, you mentioned um, a, uh, a nonprofit that I had. Do you mind yes. if I talk uh, for a minute about that? Oh, I would love you to. I love that. I loved it. all the pictures you always post, all the videos, <laughs> everything that you do. I love to see that. Uh, Leanne, you, you know about this, Patty. I'm not sure you do, though, but a few years ago, I, about four years ago, I started a nonprofit called Pulse Dallas, and it uh, pays street performers to go perform on the streets of downtown Dallas. And uh, I started it about four years ago. My, my firm was looking for sort of an outreach project to do for the community. And Someone who I greatly admire had advised me once, you know, do something for your community and make it more than just writing a check. Do something, like literally do it. And it doesn't quite have to be in your bailiwick, right? It doesn't have to be just volunteering the time that, you know, you already spend, you know, Monday through Friday working on and then just doing more of it on the weekend. It can be something different. And so, I used to, I like to people watch and I was downtown in Dallas one morning at uh, Pegasus Plaza and I'd watch all these people come off the trains and they're walking into, you know, the buildings in downtown Dallas. There's about a hundred thousand commuters that come into pour in and out of downtown Dallas every day. And gosh, people looked unhappy. You know, they're, they're getting off the train and going to work into the buildings and they're worried about things at home or family members or work or other things in their lives. And you just didn't see people look happy. And as I was sitting there one day, I, it occurred to me, I thought, you know, I don't hear anything in the air. And, uh, and I had lived previously in downtown Nashville and in downtown New Orleans, and you always heard music in the air from street performers. 
And suddenly it clicked to me. I thought, well, this is what I can do. I can pay a performer to come out here and play, say, a saxophone in the morning or a violin in the morning as people are walking from the train to their office building. And people might enjoy that, right? And so I started doing that. And uh, I looked up the laws to see, um, you know, is there a busking ordinance that prohibits people from doing that? No, there's not. I talked to some street performers um, or some musicians, asked them if they'd be interested. And we started uh, paying street performers. We'd pay them $50 to come out for an hour and perform really 50 minutes with 10 minutes of breaks. And they can put out a hat and keep, you know, whatever passersby throw in the hat. And it was really great to sit out there and watch the effect that just a little live um, street music could have on people. You know, people would come by and stop and listen or smile or, or, uh, or wave, just a little small gesture, right? But you'd see hundreds of people walk by and it would brighten their day even for just a few seconds. I started doing that and it was really just my, my firm, my law firm doing that. And uh, word got out that I was doing that and it really kind of struck a chord in people's hearts. And, and so I had other people reach out to me and say, hey, we'd like to get involved and, and do that too. And how do we do that? So it occurred to me that, well, it's weird for me to run people's money through my law firm to do that. So why don't I instead set up a nonprofit and um, it will raise money and then pay out all that money to uh, performers. And then we would go and video and record a little bit of the performances and put it up on a Facebook page uh, under the name Pulse Dallas, where you can see hundreds of these performances uh, recorded out there. And it's really been a joy. I got to tell you, not just to see the impact on people, um, it, it sort of fit um, my practice of law in that it was doing something for working people, commuters, and it was also putting musicians to work. You know, there's lots of fantastic, talented local musicians who would like to make that move from having um, musicianship be, say, a part-time gig on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, but also do something during the week too, so they can make that transition to it being full-time work. And so you get all these fantastic performers who have gigs on Saturday nights, but got nothing to do at Tuesday at noon. And you get them out on the street performing. And I was amazed at the talents we have in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And you would see these folks go on to say, get like best artist at South by Southwest. And I would think, I just saw that guy on the corner the other day, <laughs> you know, with our program, yeah. just phenomenally talented people. And uh, I got to tell you, that program has really been a great joy in my life. And I was so happy that someone gave me that advice to do something for your community, make it a little bit outside your bailiwick and do something other than just write a check to somebody, like yeah. actually go out and do it. But it was, it's been a real fun program. We've had to shut it down um, for the last six months because of COVID. Um, we didn't want people out there performing and drawing crowds together during the pandemic. We're hopeful, though, we can start it up again this next year. I hope so, because I've, I've seen some really good stuff on Facebook. I've enjoyed it. I haven't seen it in person. I'd love to one day, but I've enjoyed what I've seen um, on the Facebook page. So good stuff. Now, yeah. do you all do that in uh, downtown Fort Worth, or is it just downtown Dallas? 
Just Dallas. I, I thought maybe it would grow. Um, and I suppose someday it might. You know, we even had uh, people contact us from Memphis and say, hey, we've heard about this program. Uh, can you tell us about it? And it was a, a, an organization that does stuff for downtown um, in Memphis. And I was really flattered because I thought, man, Memphis has some good music, right? Yeah, it does. And if they're calling Dallas to talk about the music here, fantastic, right? The, uh, the interesting thing, though, is one of the questions was, well, aren't you afraid someone's, there's going to be kind of a scam. Someone's just going to show up with a bucket and a stick and, and want to, you know, hit on the bucket with a stick for, for an hour and get paid 50 bucks. And my response was, well, I kind of like those guys that hit the buckets with sticks, you know, for one, but two, um, no, we've never, in fact, I've been amazed that, that how talented the people are that come and do this. Plus, it's a little bit self-regulating, right? It's wow. hard enough to perform, but imagine um, those nerves when you're public doing some public performance, but you're doing it for an audience that didn't come to see you, right? And right. they're right there in your face. You're not up on a stage. They are right there. And so it actually um, takes some bravery and, uh, and some skill to, to put yourself out there that way. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's just been a joy. And we've had so many surprises with it too. We've had, we have a gospel singer that comes out and every time she performs, I've seen a homeless person come up, stand in front of her and cry. And instead of backing away, she gets closer and sings to them. And, uh, and it's just heartbreaking. We have a kid, uh, Ethan D'Amato, who has neurofibromatosis, which causes um, visible non-cancerous um, growths. Uh, he's come out when he was a teenager. His sister had been a violinist and his sister said, David, would you mind if my brother came out and tried this? He plays violin. I said, no, let's have him. And he came out and, uh, you know, it's awkward enough to be a teenager, but imagine having this, um, you know, visible uh, um, condition that you're dealing with and then put yourself out there. And I thought, boy, that kid is some kind of brave and he is a hit. Everyone downtown just loves him, right? And he plays a good violin. His sister afterwards thanked me and said, David, he's been beaming all day. He's been saying, I'm a busker now. I'm an actual professional performer. Aww. And uh, she said it made him practice like nothing else because is... he would be coming back out to perform again. So it's one of those programs that I started because I wanted to hear a little jazz, maybe help out the community a bit. And it gave back so much to me. And so, yeah, I'd encourage your listeners, find some project like that. Get involved in your community and do something that's not writing a check. And that's not necessarily just doing what you usually do for work and doing it for free. Right. Now, how do the performers know? Is it just word of mouth? How to contact you to be able to come out and, uh, and do their thing. Do they just show up or? It's generally word of mouth. I, I met a couple of performers. I got word out that I wanted to start this program and then they chat among each other and people would call me all the time. There was some uh, local press coverage about the program. And, uh, and so, yeah, it, it really took off. And then on the other side of it, you know, it's not just paying money out to performers, it's getting money in to, to pay performers. Mm -hmm. There were a few local developers who came over and said, hey, we want to be involved in this. Um, we'd like to help get performers out and how can we do it? And I would say, it's pretty easy. Here's a list of musicians and we can get them out there and 
50 bucks a pop. And so it doesn't take much money. Um, the folks can come out, perform for an hour and then pick up, you know, whatever they make busking that day uh, on top of it. So uh, it's, yeah, it, it was all just really word of mouth, Leanne. And it was kind of wild how word of mouth is, as you've said before, I remember years ago, you telling me that, you know, doing good work for people, um, doing good things um, is its own marketing, you know, that, that word true. of mouth is I probably the best that. kind of marketing. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for talking about the Pulse Dallas. I appreciate that. Is there anything else? I, I know one of the things I did like about what you mentioned uh, when you originally sent your intro was how to find an employment law attorney. So it, would you mind just briefly discussing how, I mean, I know you mentioned that it's harder now, that it has been in the past harder to find an employment law attorney and that you're getting so many calls a day, but how would somebody go about finding uh, an employment law attorney to help them? Well, the first, you should start with the idea that employment law can be a little bit unique in the sense that employment lawyers typically are either management side or worker side. There are some lawyers who dabble in both, but generally speaking, lawyers are going to be one side or the other, right? And for workers, generally, you're going to need a, a lawyer who can represent you for um, a pretty low rate or on a contingency fee, mm -hmm. right? Um, and typically, management side, they, they just bill by the hour and work by the hour, and their rates can be pretty high. Um, the uh, so you, you need to figure out if you if you have a problem at work, do you need a worker side employment lawyer, right? There are a few organizations that are voluntary associations where you can go to find uh, lawyers who represent workers. A big one nationwide is the National Employment Lawyers Association. And then the one in Texas, uh, which I'm president of currently is the Texas Employment Lawyers Association. And so in Texas, we have a website. It's www.mytela.org, mytela.org. And there is a find a lawyer feature where you can search in your city, your town by topic, um, uh, and, and, you know, a number of other uh, fields to find a lawyer in your area who represents uh, workers in employment matters. Or, of course, they can call me and I could try to get them to uh, someone who could help. And my telephone number is 214-336-4276. And that's my cell phone. Thank you, David. Thank you for giving us that. That was very kind of you. <laughs> well, I, I answer my own phones. I'll tell you, uh, it's funny with one of the biggest complaints about lawyers is that um, you can't get through to them, right? They don't return calls. <laughs> um, the American Bar Association had done a study and said that's the number one gripe that, uh, that they get about lawyers. And I put mine out there. It's on my LinkedIn page. It's on my every, you know, email signature. I have my mobile phone there and people can call me, you know, directly right on my cell phone. And uh, I, uh, I may not have the answer right away. I might not even be able to take their call that minute, but you know, I try to return calls and I try to speak with people. Plus I have this advantage. I don't run a mill practice. I actually don't take a lot of cases, even though I may get five calls a day, I may only take four or five cases in a given year, but I try to get people to people who can help them. 
you know, uh, I, I like helping people. It's one of the reasons I went into being a worker side employment lawyer. There are certainly other areas of practice where lawyers um, have an opportunity to make more money, but I just love this practice and I like helping workers in their employment matters. And some of that, if you don't mind a, a quick story, stems back to how I got involved in becoming a lawyer in the first place. And it's this, I was a, uh, uh, I had gone to college. I had um, uh, tried being a music major and I was a little bit tone deaf. I tried being um, a computer scientist and the math was a little too hard for me. So I dropped out and I was roofing and I was roofing, you know, kind of travel around the country and get roofing jobs. And I was in Louisiana and I had been shorted $30 on a roof. I had worked 12 hours in August in Shreveport, Louisiana, <laughs> just hot as can be. And at the end of the day, my cuts, the way the guy paid was he would just divvy up so many hundreds of dollars for whatever crew showed up that day. So my cut was going to be $30 for about 12 hours of work. And I thought, well, shoot, I can go flip burgers and make more than this. So I call the, the guy and say, hey, I'd like my $30, but I'm not going to show up at the next job. And he told me where I could show to get my money. I go there and no one's there. And then he tells me, oh, everyone else must have divided up your money and that's all I pay. And so you're out of luck. And I really just felt like it was so unjust and I'd worked so hard. And, you know, when you're that age, you know, you know how it is when you're, when you're really young, you just feel things a little more, <laughs> you know, in your heart, right? Oh. You feel love and breakup and betrayal and, um, and hypocrisy and injustice. You just feel those things. And I did. And so I was upset and I decided I'm going to sue this guy. Actually, my mother had encouraged me to. And I said, well, I looked it up. It costs $120 to file a lawsuit. And she encouraged me. She said, I'll, I'll front you the $120 if you want to sue him. So I take him to small claims court and the day of court, um, he arrives and it was a, just a wonderful experience for me. I go in and I'm ready to prove my case. Think, um, you know, think the people's court, it's kind of small claims. You just go up and, and tell your story after you filed your complaint. And the guy who ran the roofing company lied. He said, uh, well, I was going to pay this, this kid, but he broke a vent on the roof and had this great old Louisiana judge, you know, old as the hills and he and had great Louisiana accent. He said, son, did you break that vent on that roof? I said, no, your honor, I sure didn't. And let me say, and he held his hand up and cut me off. And, and, uh, he said, well, I find under Louisiana civil code, blah, 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 in favor of Mr. Wiley. I believe he did this work and he's owed that $30. And under this portion of the code, he's entitled to double damages and his costs. And he bangs the gavel, right? And I was standing there in court and I thought, I, you know, I thought how lucky I am because this is what I want to do the rest of my life. And I immediately had one of those epiphanies where immediately I knew what I wanted to do. And I've met people in their 50s who still don't know what they want to do with their life, yeah. right? <laughs> and, and I was so blessed that uh, standing there, I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to be a lawyer. I want to represent workers. And I want to help people um, who have been cheated, you know, in their work somehow. And uh, plus, I was 1-0 at that point, right? Yeah. Wow. That's quite the story. 
Yeah, yeah. So I kind of, I kind of came to uh, this sort of practice for that very reason. It makes me happy. Um, I found a great deal of joy in it. And, and I'm lucky in that some folks who even go into law um, kind of bounce around and are not sure what type of law they want to practice or they go into something for money that doesn't make them happy rather than doing something that makes them happy and then figuring out how to make money doing it. Right. Wow. Well, um, David, <laughs> I, I appreciate your time today. It's been, it's been great. Uh, thank you. Did you have anything else you want to add, uh, Patty, David, anything else that y'all would want to add before we close? I don't have any questions, but wow, you made me feel <laughs> that was just a really good story. I liked it a lot. I know all the stories. <laughs> and I am one of those people who still doesn't know what she wants to I do. Know. <laughs> it's it's okay, Patty. It's okay. In fact, it gives you a lot of opportunities to do that, but it can be a blessing to know as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely. Well, listen. Yeah. Thank you all so much for having me on your show today. Um, I, I enjoy y'all's podcast and I'm, and I'm thrilled to be Aww, your first thank guest. You. Thank you. Thank you, David. And um, until next time, uh, please join us with uh, Are You Serious with Leanne and Patty. Thank you. Bye. Bye, y'all.